beaches, hills, hills, hairs, hills and hairs. Podcasting Hour. My name is Darian. I am back for another week of horror bullshit coming right to your ear holes. It's another solo show. It's just me tonight, motherfuckers. I am sorry. Um, feel free to uh, skip this one in your your weekly horror playlist. I'm sure it's going to be subpar as uh, I'm not known for putting effort into things. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? How was your week? Mine was tiresome and... Um, it's uh, it's gonna be a while before the D man gets a day off. Let's just put it put it that way. What do I got? I got flag football games. I got a full work week. I got all kinds of shit. I'm not gonna bore you with the mundanities of uh, the life of a middle aged dad. So I'm just gonna jump right into horror stuff. I hope you guys are doing good though. I hope everything's kosher on your side and that you're getting some days off to do you and to do things that you enjoy that don't involve sitting in a cubicle or whatever, whatever it is you're into. I'm just, I'm rambling on at this point. Uh, Let's get into the usual horror show here, kids. How about that? How about a little of the old horror news for you this early in the morning? Yes, you may, actually. There are a few things happening in the in the horrorverse out there, dudes. Are you ready for this? It looks like Darkman is getting a full Scream Factory treatment, 4K uh, restoration, all that fun shit with the bonus features and the Sam Raimi and the Liam Neeson. Are you into... That's the question I have to ask you is, are you into the Darkman movies? I think there's three or four of them. Um... I remembered enjoying the first one. I found it to be a much moodier version of RoboCop, really, without all the the high tech machinery. Instead, it's just a guy um, with a with a bad temper. Really, is all it is. And uh, he, you know, he can kick somebody's ass, so he's got that going for him. Been a long time since I've seen those. I should probably revisit at least the first one to see if I'm interested in watching the rest of them. Um, don't think I'm gonna drop the uh, the forty bucks on the the full 4K restoration situation just yet. Just yet, somebody might come along and make a believer out of me with the with the uh, Dark Man. I don't know. Uh, also, it looks like Tim Burton is celebrating the end of principal photography on Beetlejuice two. 
How do you like that shit? It looks like this is actually going to happen. How long has he been fucking with us on a Beetlejuice 2? At least 10 years that I that I can recall. Uh, maybe even longer. Looking, Going back in his Twitter feed, it goes way back. And he's always talking, oh, this would be a good idea for Beetle, another Beetlejuice movie. And then nothing fucking happens. And now he's saying that he has it. And it is at least wrapped photography. So... I'm saying early 2028, we can look forward to <laughs> Beetlejuice 2. I don't know, man. I'll probably check it out. It's going to have Jen Ortega in it playing uh, uh, Lydia Dietz's daughter, who was Winona Ryder's character. I'm, I'm interested in where we could possibly go with this storyline, you know? I, 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 he's got my curiosity, nothing else. Uh, what else we got here? Looks like trailers are up for True Detective Night Country. And that's going to debut uh, in January, 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 on, in January on HBO Max. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna be on board with that. It's got Jodie Foster in it. She's gonna be, I guess, one of the detectives. I wish we could tie all the seasons of True Detective together somehow. I need to see more of the King and Yellow, or at least hear more about the King and Yellow, whom we we got a pretty healthy dose of in the first the first season right? Second season had nothing to do with anything, but it did have a badass Vince Vaughn in it. Um, I've yet to see the third season, so yet another TV show that I have got to get goddamn caught up on. Um, I'm looking forward to what what I gotta do is just fucking watch it, and then when it comes out every week, watch it every week, you know what I'm saying? Like a regular goddamn TV show, instead of trying to be some kind of a maverick, and wait till it's all done and over with, and then go back and binge it, which I know I'm never going to have time to do. So I don't know why I keep lying to myself about that. Uh, what else we got here? Black Mold. I have it here at my house, and I was hoping somebody <laughs> could tell me how to get rid of it. I'm kidding. Actually, I might. I got some weird stuff going on in my bathroom. There is a movie called Black Mold that has been making its rounds on the festival circuits. Getting all kinds of buzz, winning all kinds of awards. Horror film, obviously. I wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't. Uh, it is going to debut on Tubi later this week. So I am pumped for that. I've heard a lot of good things about Black Mold. Not the actual Black Mold. That'll give you respiratory issues from what I hear. I don't know. You don't want that. And um, I think there's like a uh, like a wax paper you can buy and put down to prevent Black Mold. I don't know. I don't know anything about carpentry or uh, home care or... Black Mold, except for the the movie that I just talked about. I'm psyched for that. I don't know. uh, I believe it's going to debut Friday at some time. That's the thing about these these streaming services, dude. It could be, you know, whenever they feel like it, really. And they're not going to, like, make an announcement that it's up. You just got to go back every 15 minutes and type in Black Mold again, see if it pops up. So I can tell you it's not on there right now. I just checked. So it's supposed to hit Friday. Black Mold, market calendars, you're going to love that shit. Lastly, <laughs> this is something that's uh, interesting. Does the name Adam Marcus ring any bells? Probably not. Uh, I'm going to refresh your memory. Adam Marcus was the director of Jason Goes to Hell, which is much maligned by the horror community. Probably the worst movie. Ah! Ah! That, you know what? That's a tough fucking call to make right there. Is that the worst movie in the uh, Jason Voorhees Friday the 13th uh, franchise, if you can call it a franchise? 
I don't know. I don't know that it, I don't know that it is. I mean, yeah, yeah, it probably is, right? I hesitate to say that because goddamn was Jason Takes Manhattan bad. And I, I know a lot of you out there are saying, oh, it wasn't that bad. He goes to New York and punches a head off a guy. Okay, I challenge you to watch it again and uh, look at how they took a big fat dump all over the uh, the mythos there. But more to the point, was it worse than Jason Goes to Hell? Because that, my friends, took an even bigger dump on the franchise. Um, I'm going to say probably, I, I know I'm going off on a tangent here. Um, I think, ah, God damn it. Yeah, I think it is. I think I'm going to, I'm going to make a ruling right now and say Jason Goes to Hell is the worst of that, that whole franchise. Just, a, just a fucking pubic hair worse than Jason Takes Manhattan. That's an official ruling here in the padded room. Um, but here, that, I'm with, completely off the rails here. Well, the reason I bring it up is because Adam Marcus, director of Jason Goes to Hell, is now, te- <laughs> he's now teasing a Creighton Duke spinoff movie. Now, Creighton Duke is probably the only redeemable quality or factor in Jason Goes to Hell. He was the uh, crazy body uh, bounty hunter dude that was responsible for leading the FBI to uh, Camp Crystal Lake and then all the Claymore mines and all that shit. Um, he was an interesting cat. I'll give you that. Uh, what are you? What? Where, where are you going with Creighton Duke? Is he going to be like some kind of a supernatural eliminator type of a guy? Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe a origin story on on him. I don't, I'm not going to watch Jason Goes to Hell again. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. But if this thing happens, if a Creighton Duke spinoff movie happens, I may have to go back and re at least at at one and a half times speed rewatch uh, Jason Goes to Hell. So I'm I'm curious. I am uh, as. As Barack Obama would say, I am hopefully optimistic, uh, but I don't think it's going to happen. Where are you going to get funding for a fucking Creighton Duke spinoff movie? You're going to crowdfund it? There's like four four guys that are going to go absolutely apeshit and probably give you a full paycheck each, but that's only going to get you like $2,000 total with all four guys. You know they work at McDonald's. Um, that's not enough to make a fucking Creighton Duke movie there, Adam Marcus. So... I don't know, man. Uh, maybe start with a graphic novel. Build some buzz. I don't know why I'm giving you career advice. Clearly, you're doing much better than I am. All right, enough about that shit. That's all I got on the horror news. Time for some listener mail, dudes. Listener mail. Yeah, buddy. I got some emails and some voicemails and all kinds of fun stuff happening here. Let's start things off in Sydney, Australia. Here comes our main man team from the War for Dummies, eh? Excuse me, Dummies for Horror. Uh, Subject line, it's a wonderful email. What's up, you sack of incredibly good-looking gentlemen? Uh, Hope everyone is well and feeling happy as we come closer to this Christmas season. Meat Hook, top three directors. Number three, John Carpenter. The dude has so many hits, you have to love him. I have to agree with you there, Tim. Um, Really, I think his only softballs are The Ward, 
which was clearly made for a fucking paycheck. Um, that Children of the Damned remake, I'm not sure what he was going for there. Um, other than that, I think pretty much they're all they're all hits, dude. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China, uh, Prince of Darkness, The Thing, obviously. Uh, Escape from New York. Okay, I'll give you Escape from L.A. also. Which is basically just an Escape from New York remake, but with a surfer aesthetic to it. All right, uh, back to Tim. I'm going off on a rant again. I need like a rant button, and I need somebody to push it, like a shot caller on me. So when I start going off in these weird directions, I get hit with a couple volts. Uh, Maybe I'll have Deacon come in here and hit the buzzer. Uh, Number two, Rob Zombie. I love his style and most of his films. Unfortunately, 31 sucked a bag of dicks, but I enjoy the rest. You know... um, Tim, I'm gonna. I'm not mad at 31. I'm not. A lot of people are, and I understand why. He openly admits to writing the script um, in like a day and a half, which I don't know why you would do that. He crowdfunded the entire fucking thing. I was one of his his big bigger backers, by the way. Um, I think it's it's not as it's a tired concept, right? The blood sport. Uh, he put his own white trashy Rob Zombie spin on it, um, but it it is we've seen it before, but this time with a Rob Zombie vibe all the way through. I wasn't mad at it. It I definitely could have been a lot better. Um, could have put a little more time into the script, maybe develop some of these characters. Um, all in all, I wasn't mad at it. I mean, you had to know up front that. Uh, um, Baby Firefly was going to be the one to live. Um, it's I would say I would say <sighs> it's pro- I think it's better than Three from Hell. I'll I'll tell you that. I'm not mad at Three from Hell, but I would say I like th- personally I like Thirty One better than Three from Hell. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the monsters, but I feel like I need to sit down and watch it with the kids. To really get the full vibe. And I need to also forget that it's a goddamn Rob Zombie movie. I'm going off. There there goes the buzzer. I'm going off again. Uh, number one, Michael Doherty. Trick or Treat and Krampus are my all-time top films, and I need more from him. I agree, dude. I agree. Uh, and that's another one, this motherfucker. All the time teasing a Krampus sequel, a Trick or Treat sequel. Show me something, man. You ain't done shit. Let's go. Uh, Terra Dome, I'm taking the Frankenhooker in this one. I'm sure the vampire can do damage, but I'm a bigger Frankenstein fan, so I'll take the hooker. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big hooker fan myself, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm not, I'm, I'm also a, a, um, Angie Everhart fan, so I, I could go either way. Uh, you know, it's one of those, uh, whoever, whoever wins, we all win kind of a fights. Uh, so I checked out It's a Wonderful Knife, now streaming on Shudder, and I have to warn you before I before you hit play, this film is fucking horrible. I hated every minute of it, minute of it plus it's filled with so many plot holes that are never explained, and the whole story is just bad. That's it for me this week. Much love to you all. Tim, that's exactly what I'm talking about, Tim. That's what they're fucking doing to us now. Uh, I think that they are just dumbing us down to the lowest common denominator, saying, hey, uh, don't fuck in the woods. Don't fuck in the woods, too. Uh, the title will garner some curiosity, and we'll get some clicks based on that. We'll figure the rest out as we go. That's dumb, man. That's terrible. And we cannot support these films. It's a wonderful knife. 
Are you serious? Did you even, did, you just came up with the title and then probably wrote the movie afterward and said it had to have something to do with a Christmas slasher, clearly, and it's a wonderful knife. I, I cannot support these. I'm not going to watch it, Tim. I'm going to take your advice. I'm not going to watch it. I wasn't planning on watching watching it, and you just affirmed what I had already suspected, that uh, it's going to be dumb. And a, a cocaine bear, come on. I heard it's good, but it still sounds dumb. That's why I'm not going to watch it. Because if we keep watching dumb shit, they're just going to keep making more dumb shit. And here's the kicker, dudes. It's just going to get dumber. What's coming next? Pussy monster? I guarantee you, coming to a theater next year, Pussy Monster, uh, Bad CGI Crocodile, that is literally the title of the film, Bad CGI Crocodile. It's, co- it's going to be released on uh, by Full Moon. Get fucked, man. I mean, sure, I like a silly movie, but don't insult me. And I feel like that's what you're doing at this point. All right, I am sorry, Tim. That was uh, it for the... Uh, emails but i do believe we have some voicemails here inmates hey let's start things off in beautiful downtown anderson indiana i hear it's absolutely amazing this time of year here comes coop newcomb hey calling to get in my What's up, uh, three on a meet up yeah it was the uh, favorite directors. directors so uh i'm gonna say number two and number three man for me it's uh, toss up. Okay. Uh, I I don't have one in front of the other so okay. much. It's uh, Carpenter and Craven. I, yeah. They both have good ones. They both yeah. have bad ones, and I don't know. Just more hits than misses. A lot of nostalgic ones they both have done. There is that. In, in also, the era. I grew yeah. up in this stuff. So either or. Um, of but my number one here of late, I'm pretty big fan of a lot of a uh, lot of the stuff he's done. Huh. Is uh, that Ty West? I really oh, think he's uh, sure, very impressive. I, I really is. like like a lot of his movies. So. He does good work. That, that anyway, West. that's all I have. Hope you guys have a good evening, or guy. That's anyway. me. It's just me. <laughs> Talk to you later. All right, Coop. Thanks for calling in, big dog. Ty, he makes a good point. Ty West. I don't know why nobody brought that up. Um, what do you got? You got the innkeepers. You got your um, House of the Devil. Uh, can I, it, Cooper? I'm going to point you to a great Ty West movie. If Jason was here, this is about the time we'd be moving some furniture around. It's called The Roost. It's about uh, a killer swarm of bats that bite people and create zombies. Now, I loved it. I got it right here on, on disc, dude. I'll pop that son of a bitch in anytime you want. But it is Ty West's first feature-length film. Um, I really dug it. Jason did not. He thought it was poo-poo. Um, he's got very high standards for horror, though. <laughs> you know him. Fucking horror snob that he is. Uh, I loved it. Uh, what else you got? Uh, Ty, there's a Western. I think it's called In the Valley of Violence uh, that he directed. I have not seen the Western yet. It's not really a horror movie from what I understand. Uh, he he also is part, He's kind of part of the Splat Pack which is this kind of uh, generation of directors. Uh, it's like an Adam Wingard, a Ra- I think Rob Zombie is kind of considered part of it, uh, Eli Roth, um, who else? Uh, the other guys, yeah, the dude, the, uh, all, you know, those, those guys, the younger, 
the younger uh, uh, Owa Astron 6, Radio Silence, um, pretty much anybody that's done a segment of VHS uh, would be considered part of the Splat Pack, I guess. Right on, Coop. Thanks for uh, calling in, big dog. Let's get down to Southern California. Here comes Mr. Tom Hardy. Hey-yo! Hey-yo! Padded room. How's my favorite degenerate? What's up, week? dude? Do hope y'all doing well. I'm to okay. Real quick there. Uh, yeah. Uh, on the educating department. Come on now. Uh, don't know who you are. All right. Uh, for the Terror Dome, we have Lilith and Frankenhooker. Yes, sir. What do you think of that? Uh, you know what? Huh. I am just going to go with Frankenhooker. I had a feeling. Because I don't know what else Lilith can do. Okay. you never but seen Bordello of Blood? Frankenhooker, like, rip her tits off and then bolt them on. That is true. bolt on style. Yes. But uh, I think that's got to be in the... Uh, it's got to be how it's written there, Mr. Brock. Okay, I will include Anyhow, her tits uh, being bolted on. On the meat hook. Sir. Um, oh, man. Best director. Director. I, I actually was thinking about this one for a while. Okay. And uh, if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, my list probably would have been different. Okay. But, uh, anyway, for number three, you Kevin got to put Mike Flanagan in there. Okay, yeah. Um, the guy's just done. That's I mean, another one. All of this shit's been good. Especially yeah. Recently. No misses, uh, really. No softballs. All of his mini series on Netflix Those. and uh, you know Doctor Sleep. Oh yeah, he's uh, the, the Stephen King the guy. Fog. I can't remember the name of that fucking flick offhand. The one but, about the uh, fog. Man, guy's got some good flicks out there. It's the know, truth, man. Kicked off Dario Argento for me. Really? Uh, kicked him off the uh, list. Okay. But, uh, yeah, for number two, it's got to be uh, Wes Craven. Okay. Uh, guy's got a lot of great flicks. He does. I, I like, I'd say probably 90, 90% of what this guy's done, and 90% of it is fucking just fantastic. I agree. Um, and then for number one, it's got to be John Carpenter. Of course. Uh, I don't know if anybody will ever surpass Carpenter for me personally, but, uh, you know, just... The guy's got so many great flicks, and he's got great flicks in, like, numerous categories. It's like, true. Action. You know, Halloween. Horror. Uh, suspense. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Sci-fi. different fucking movie. Oh, you yeah, know? dude. Um, yeah, I, I fucking love him. I it's mean, true. I agree, uh, man. Thing, I agree with you. The Thing. The guy's, yeah, he's got a, he's got a stinker here or there, but it, not for many total though. Body of work, yeah. Know, you got to get it to. Uh, I agree. Carpenter, I'm agreeing with you. Um, Prince of Darkness. That's my that's my personal favorite. Right into the uh, what are you looking at the part? Okay, uh, I got to catch a couple of flicks, and one of them was uh, Prince of Darkness. Carpenter's in the mouth of Matt. Oh, that's another good one, dude. And, uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but fuck that movie is. Oh, damn good. That will blow your and mind. One of the things that uh, kind of stands out. GP. He got GP'd right there. Now, um, a couple of things. A couple of things. This just occurred to me as I was listening to Tom Hardy speak, especially in regards to Mike Flanagan. I think, and I'm going to make a bold statement here, um, Mike Flanagan is better than Mick Garris. I'm going to tell you that right now. I think I don't think anybody can even argue that fucking point. Uh, as far as hits and misses, good movies versus bad movies, I'll take Flanagan any day of the week over Mick Garris. But more to the point, the reason I bring up Mick Garris is because Mick Garris was Stephen King's 
go-to guy. I don't well, I don't know if like Stephen King actually chose him or he just happened to get the rights to the various uh, uh, you know books. But regardless, uh, in generations gone by, Mick Garris was the Stephen King dude. Uh, I think that torch has been passed, and I think it is now a full-on flamethrower in the hands of Mike Flanagan. Um, I what I what the only thing that might concern me a little bit, and I'm not saying that it's going to happen or that it will happen. Number one, we have to keep Stephen King off of network TV. Okay, I know that that's where he made his dividends in the past, and but that was you know twenty, thirty years ago. Stephen King works are not meant for uh, eight o'clock on a Tuesday after dinner. They're just not, man. You got uh, fucking kid rape. You got kid rape. All right, is that something you want to see with the family? No, no, it is not. And more to the point, if you remove those elements from the movie or the the story per se, water it down to a certain to to a degree where all of the heart and soul and the the horror essence is removed from the original work i would i would venture to say that you don't have a stephen king um adaptation after that what you have is some kind of a fucking bastardization of something i, I don't even know what to call that so um i th- i think uh i think i think at this point we can say that mick garris is the poor man's uh mike mike flanagan i think there's there's no there's no argument to be made to the contrary. If there is, I would love to hear it. ThePaddedRoomPodcast.com. Hit the, hit the email link. Or padded room, mail at PaddedRoomPodcast.com. Mental Health Hotline, area code 775-387-0275. Back to my man Tom Hardy. He got himself GP'd. You knew he was going to do that. He always does. Motherfucking Yeah, baby. Hell yeah. I'm sorry. One of the things that really stands out for me in the, in the mouth of madness. Yeah. If it was any other director, that'd be their best flick. Clearly. You, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, the same with The Thing in Halloween. If yeah. it's any other director, that's their best movie. Oh, yeah. For him, he's got like five or six best movies, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Big Trouble in Little China is another one that fucking stands out. Love it. Um, Prince of Darkness Woo. is pretty fucking good. Agree. Majority of these flicks, if they were anybody else's, that'd be the best of theirs. And it's probably like Fifth four, or six. five, yeah. or six, uh, if you were to rank all of Carpenter's flicks. It's true. I don't know. I always fucking, I got, I, like I said, I don't know if anybody's going to ever, ever top John Carpenter. Um, also got to catch uh, Suspiria again. Love that flick. Original always or remake? Revisit. Okay. And then I uh, one the of original. my personal favorites. I, I got to watch this like once every year. Huh. Man, it's Bubba Hotep. <laughs> man, that's a good fucking flick, It is. Man. I love I love that one. It's so fun. It's, it's such a good balance of horror and comedy. And I just fucking love it when the uh, the mummy talks. And yeah. He speaks in you know, ancient Egyptian or whatever. But yeah. then it translates the Sanskrit on the uh, screen there and it comes out with the line of uh, bite the dog dick of Anibus you ass white <laughs> I just fucking love that shit. anyway so yeah. I'm droning on no Hope you're good as well love you like family Bye. love you too Tom Hardy thanks for calling in now he brings up a good point about uh, Bubba Hotep and that's that's this um, we have unfortunately been hit with a bukkake 
of bad phantasm movies from Don Coscarelli. This, Bubba Hotep, is a sterling example that Coscarelli can do good work writing and directing when he gets away from Phantasm. Take a break on the shitty CGI uh, flying spheres and do something new, man. I'm not saying... I, I'm a, I like Phantasm. Well, I like the first two Phantasms. After that, they get pretty nutty. But, um, oh, God, remember Phantasm Ravager? Oh, God, Lord. that That is bad. I don't know if you've seen it, inmates. I'm going to tell you not to. Because it's just going to ruin your opinion uh, of the entire franchise. And it goes into kaiju territory. Really bad CGI. Horrific acting from Michael Baldwin and uh, Reggie Bannister. But uh, angry, ang- that was, unfortunately, that was Angus Scrimm's last movie before he died. And he was not feeling well. And it was blatantly obvious in the performance and I don't think he even knew where he was most of the time. I'm not, I don't mean to besmirch the man. Love the phantasms. Love uh, the tall man, the character, the mythos, all that stuff. But that ah, that was really bad, bro. That was really bad. And now, I, again, I hate to say it, but that now that Angus Scrim is gone, Coscarelli's going to have to adapt and overcome and come up with something new because he has been cashing phantasm checks for damn near 40 years. 50? 50! years damn we're all old inmates all right fuck i'm gonna get depressed that's all i got on the listener mail thank you very much tom hardy cooper and tim uh you guys are gentlemen and scholars i think it's time for a movie
Oh, Daddy, it is the timeless 2023 classic, When Evil Lurks. Got seven stars on IMDb. This, my friends, is a bad motherfucker right here. And I mean that in the best possible way. This, my friends, is a horror movie. You understand that? This is a this is a movie that is built, designed, written, directed, crafted with the intention of frightening and disturbing you. This is what a horror film should be. Let me kick this right off. It's written and directed by Demian Rujna. I'm probably wildly mispronouncing that. Stars Ezekiel Rodriguez, Demian Solona, and Silvia Sabete. This is Argentinian. It's from the same guy that brought us Terrified, which, by the way, is another bad motherfucker right there. Now, this is what I'm talking about, bros. There is no humor in this. There are some scenes in this that will make you go, oh, that's what I did. I saw it and I went, oh, like that. Uh, this is not bad CGI alligator. This is not don't fuck in the woods. Uh, this is definitely not it's a wonderful knife. This is a horror film for not necessarily horror fans, but I uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> really. This is when the the horror fans that they think that the studios think that we have become are fans of it's a wonderful knife and don't fuck in the woods. This is a film for fans of horror, if that makes a lick of sense. I know it doesn't, and as these words are coming out of my mouth, I'm wondering what the hell I'm talking about. All right, anyway. <clears throat> um, we start off, inmates, in rural Argentina. I assume. I assume it's rural. I, I don't know where else it would be other than rural Argentina. Um, we got a farm or a... I think it's a it's a farm. Uh, two brothers living on it. You have Pedro and you have Jaime. And in the middle of the night, they hear three gunshots. Bang, bang. And then a bang. And they're like, oh, shit. So they quickly load up shotguns and they go out and they're like, we should go investigate that. But then they're like, uh, let's wait till daylight there, baby. So they go back inside and they wait till day. And then they go, okay, we need to find out what all the shooting was about last night. They go out and they start checking around the neighboring properties and what they find is a dude ripped in half completely. Like all they find is a pair of legs and a bunch of guts and shit. And they find a uh, case of equipment um, that has what I can only describe as like a sailing sextant looking item in it. It's like a weird brassy kind of old fashioned steampunky looking and it's all in pieces too. So they're like, oh shit. So they're like, okay, we need to figure out, we recognize this equipment. It looks like it came from a quote unquote cleaner. Let's see if we can figure out what happened to this dude. They go to the next property and this is where we get a bigger snapshot of what the fuck is going on here. Uh, they get there. It's a, it's dude, this, this property, this next property is basically just a shed with a family living in it and they got a problem this family uh one of their uh one of the younger or i guess older sons dude by the name of uriel um has become possessed now we'll learn this as the movie goes on but what we're we're dropping into here inmates is a 
pandemic of demonic possession. Okay, uh, people are getting possessed wholesale, and they're basically turning into homicidal maniacs and doing some really fucked up shit, uh, like eating families and things of that nature. It's nasty. Um, they're like, oh shit, uh, your guy's possessed. Now, apparently, um, the possession can spread via some very strange ways. It can get on your clothes. Um, it can get, it definitely carries in blood. Um, there's there. So the government, the Argentinian government is trying to stay on top of this. They have like a, uh, uh, designated cleaners that come and kill and dispose of the possessed people. Um, in a, I guess, a safe and sanitary way before the possession infection spreads. So what we're finding out is that the the tore up dude that they found out there in the the woods was one of the cleaners that was sent to get rid of Uriel. Now we're going to go inside and meet Uriel. He's a big fat guy, and uh, he looks like he is in the worst, the throes of the worst allergy attack ever. He's got like swollen pustules all over his face. Uh, he's all sweaty and stinky. Uh, he's got his veins sticking out. He's wheezing as he as he attempts to speak. And he's basically just laying on a sofa begging people to kill him. Um, so they're like, oh shit. The brothers are like, oh shit. That's a quote unquote rotten. That's what they refer to the possessed people as, rottens. Uh, you need to, uh, talking to the family, you need to do something about this. They're like, yeah, we called a cleaner like a year ago. Um, to come and, you know, take care of him and get him the fuck out of here. And, uh, he never showed up. Now they don't tell the family that the cleaner is outside ripped into pieces, but it's pretty evident, uh, at least to me that Uriel didn't kill the guy because he can't move. So now they're like, oh fuck, what do we do? Get the fuck out of there. They run to the local sheriff's office and they're like, Hey man, uh, the family out there in the woods has a rotten and, uh, we need to get cleaners over here. Basically, the the cops tell them to go fuck off, and uh, basically, there's no way they have a rotten out there. It's probably just a sick guy, so don't don't bother us with this shit. Is basically what they tell the brothers. Brothers are like, ah, oh, fuck this dude, fuck this, and fuck that guy. We can't have him anywhere near us, or our properties, or our livestock, or anything. So they go to their rich friend, who is a guy named Ruiz, and I think that they might work for him or something like that. Um, Ruiz has a much bigger, like, uh, uh, farm. He's got goats that he raises and a wife that's pregnant and he's got like a big truck. So he's, he, Ruiz is doing pretty good for himself compared to everybody else in this region. So they go talk to Ruiz. They're like, dude, Ruiz, my, my, my man, we have got a rotten over there with that, that shady family that lives off in the woods there. Dude, we got to do something about this because if that fucking guy, it gets on him and then it gets, you know, one of his family comes around and then we all have a fucking problem and it's just going to get worse from here. What are we going to do? So Ruiz is like, okay, all right. All right. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll hear you out. Let's go. So they hop in the truck. They go back to the family's house. Uh, Uriel is still fat and disgusting and he's still possessed or quote unquote rotten, as they say. And uh, Ruiz is like, dude. What the fuck with this guy? We got to get... We, I, what, cleaners aren't coming, apparently. Uh, we can't kill him. Um, what are we going to do? So they hatch the ingenious idea to load him in the back of Ruiz's truck, and then they're just going to take him off somewhere and leave him. <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. 
well, you know, I put him out there under the, the rocks, so uh, clearly he's somebody else's problem now. <laughs> uh, so they do just that. They uh, roll him over on some bed sheets. They hoist his big fat ass up into the truck, and they head on down the road with this possess- big fat possessed guy in the back of the truck. They drive like four hours out into the Argentinian, uh, uh, you know, rural areas. They're driving through like farms and hills and woods. And uh, eventually they, they kind of come to like this two lane road and there's a kid standing out in the middle of the road and they're not paying attention. So they jerk the wheel to avoid him. And they're like, oh, fucking kid, get out of the road. And then they keep going. And eventually they get to the spot where they're going to dump Uriel. They hop out, they're like, all right, Uriel, you fat fuck, this is your your new home, and they look in the back, and Uriel's gone, motherfuckers, he's gone! Well, he didn't just jump out, did he? You assholes. Uh, They come to the only conclusion that, apparently, when they swerved to hit that kid, Uriel somehow rolled out of the truck, and now he's fucking laying on the side of the road about an an hour behind him, or whatever. They're like, oh shit, we gotta we gotta go find him and we gotta make sure nobody touches him. And then Ruiz is like, hey, 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 dudes. Uh he's not our problem anymore. Let's fuck off. Uh it's fuck we're done. We're done. I'll drive I'll give you a, a ride home, and then we're gonna pretend that none of this ever happened, and this will be the end of that. Uh so they do just that. That's great. They haul ass back to town. They burn their clothes, all three of them. Very good. Um everything seems to be okay until the following morning. When Ruiz goes out to tend the goats and he hears his pregnant wife screaming uh, that one of the goats is uh, infected. It's rotten. It's possessed, I guess. So Ruiz goes out there and he's like, what? That's on the goat? How did it get on the goat? Uh, I'm not sure how we came to this conclusion that the goat was possessed. Uh, but I have to agree here in a second that the goat was in fact possessed. So there's a couple of rules about how we deal with the possessed quote unquote rottens. Um, you can't kill them with a gun. You can kill them with a gun, but if you do so, uh, there's a good chance that you will become possessed. I don't know how that works and it's never explained. There's like a nursery rhyme that they sing later about how, um, how the possessed gets into you and it takes over your mind and makes you do crazy shit. Uh, but that, it doesn't really explain the gun thing. So, um, Ruiz goes running out there and he's like, what the fuck? We got a possessed goat. Are you serious? What? And she's like, yeah, his pregnant wife is there. Yeah, it's that one right there. And there's a whole herd of goats there. So Ruiz gets the shotgun and he lets one go in the air and all the goats go running off except for one, except for one goat that is just standing there. Mean mugging Ruiz. So Ruiz is like yelling at the goat, I told you to get the fuck out of here. The goat is just staring him down. And then if you remember last week's show, this is the part that Jason Harrell was talking about. The goat slowly stalks up to the fence of which Ruiz is pointing the gun at him. And the goat presses its forehead against the barrel of the shotgun. And Ruiz is going, get out of here, get out of here, get the fuck out of here. And the goat is just staring him down. So Ruiz pulls the trigger and blows the goat's head off. Now, just before, this is the part that Jason Harrell mentioned, just before he kills the goat, there is a very quick snippet, and you can see this part in the trailer that I just played for you, in which the camera pans up behind Ruiz, and at the angle in which uh, the goat is and where Ruiz is, you can see the goat's horns 
above Ruiz's head, as if to say, like, it was, you know, as if to say Ruiz was now the goat. The the horns were coming out of Ruiz's head, which could be a thing. You don't see any horns coming out of Ruiz's head here in a second, because we'll get a full close-up. Or that could have been uh, the director's way of telling us that the evil was already on Ruiz at this point. It's not going to matter, but here's something I want you to think about if you're going to watch this movie or even the trailer. You see the goat. You see the goat plain as day. You see its horns. It's got ram horns, if you understand what I'm saying. It's got the corkscrew horns that come out just above the eyes and then immediately roll back and kind of like uh, earmuff around it, the side to its head. You know what I'm talking about? Like the like the Los Angeles Rams helmets. Or, yeah, I guess that's probably the best way to describe it. It's, it's you know, like a ram. Um, now, when the camera pans up behind Ruiz... The horns that you see sticking out of uh, in front of Ruiz are not those horns. They, like, are devil horns. And Harold made a good point uh, last week. There's no way that that camera angle is possible if the, the goat is on all fours. So either the goat stood up for a second on its two hind legs and was, like, you know, really getting in Ruiz's face, in which case, fuck that goat anyway, or there was some kind of symbology here with what we're what what's going on with Ruiz and the, anyway what I'm saying is there's, there's two completely different sets of horns that we're talking about here. Okay, back to the story. Uh, Ruiz uh, pulls the trigger and blows the fucking goat's head off, and he's like, "God, fuck that goat!" And then out of nowhere, his wife uh, grabs the axe and buries it in Ruiz's head, killing Ruiz. Now, his wife is pregnant, mind you, and she's screaming at this point. And she, the whole time, she was screaming at Ruiz not to shoot the goat because you can't, you, 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 for whatever reason, you can't kill these things with guns. Uh, now, this is the, 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 one of the more gnarly parts here in the, in the movie. Uh, at this point, um, the wife just decides, fuck it, and commits suicide by axe to the face. And takes the same axe and just starts slamming it into her own face again, 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 until she collapses dead. Pregnant as all hell. And uh, with self-inflicted axe wounds to the face. That has got to be the gnarliest suicide in a horror movie. I can't think of a worse one. I'm sure there is one somewhere down the annals of horror history. But coming to mind immediately, that's a bad one, bro. Committing suicide by axing yourself in the face repeatedly. Jesus Christ. Okay. So that's gnarly, bro. That is <laughs> that is gnarly. And that kind of gives us a better snapshot of like the evil possession or whatever it is. The possession pandemic and how it spreads. So everything is cool here uh, at the brother's house. They don't know what just happened at uh, Ruiz's house. Everything's cool. They're like, oh, fuck. Good thing we, uh, we burned our clothes and, uh, we're, we're, we're feeling pretty good. Pretty soon there's a knock at the door and it's the kid. It's Uriel's younger brother. And he's like, hey, 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 uh, I went to Ruiz's house and, uh, he's dead. I think his wife killed him with an axe and then she buried, uh, the axe in her own face. So that tells the brothers, Pedro and Jaime, right off the bat, fuck. The fucking evil got came back with us. We brought it back, and it infected uh, Ruiz's wife, think, assumingly. And uh, shit, now what are we gonna do? So Pedro 
uh, freaks right out. He's like, fucking shit, man. Uh, I got my ex-wife and my kid is, my two kids are in the, the little village over there. Um, I got, I got first thing, as soon as the sun comes up, I got to get in the car. I got to get over there. I got to get them and we got to get the fuck out of here. Uh, great idea. Perfect. Yes, I am on board with that. Uh, Jaime's like, okay, great. Bring them back here. Pick me up after you do. And we'll all get the fuck out of here, uh, together. So morning comes plan is, is in effect. Uh, Pedro gets dropped off there at, uh, the ex-wife's house. She's got a, she, I guess she's remarried and, uh, they have a daughter, her and her, her husband, Leo, um, seem, seem okay. Uh, I think it was a messy divorce between her and Pedro, but the ex-wife Sabrina is there. We meet, um, Pedro's two sons. We have, uh, Santino, who is probably seven or eight. And then we have an older son named Jair who is probably 14, 15, but uh, he is, um, I don't know. There's something wrong with him. He can't, he's basically non-functioning. He, uh, you know, can't talk, uh, maybe severely autistic, can't really move around, wears a diaper, things like that. Uh, Pedro gets there, starts beating on the door. Hey, bros, we got to get the fuck out of here. Big argument, of course. Um, now, the Sabrina and Leo also have a daughter, um, independent of the two, the two boys, her name is Vicky. She's probably four or five. And they also have a big fucking dog named Roger. Uh, I'm going to say bull mastiff, but I could be wrong. So a lot of drama. Soon as Pedro gets in there, he immediately strips down naked and lights his clothes on fire. Leo, uh, gives him some, but he is freaking out. And Sabrina is yelling and screaming, get your naked ass out of here. He's like, no, we got to get the kids in the car. The fucking infection or, uh, possession, it's spreading and it's going to, this place is going to be hell on earth here in a few minutes. And like, no, 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 no. Now what they're not doing is paying attention to the dog because before Pedro can light his clothes on fire, the dog starts sniffing the clothes. Uh, all the yelling, screaming back and forth. The little girl, Vicky comes down and starts petting the dog and, uh, the dog just goes ape shit and rips Vicky apart and you, well, not really, but like gets her and does like the big, like, behind the neck and does like the shake you know what i'm talking about the dogs do with chew toys he's basically doing that to this five-year-old uh all the adults are too busy yelling and screaming at each other and threatening to call the police and stuff they don't even they don't even notice uh by the time sunny santino uh gets somebody's attention the girl is already like unconscious and the dog just picks her up and bolts out out of the door uh, Leo and Sabrina both freak out and they're like, Oh my God, my girl, where's my little girl? Oh my God. And Pedro was like, fucking shit. I brought the evil back with me in the, now the dog and, ah, shit. So Leo hops in the car and goes chasing after the dog. Uh, Sabrina just runs outside and starts screaming hysterically. Uh, Pedro tries to chase Leo down. Now, Leo took a gun with him as if to kill Roger, and that's fine, except that we have to assume Roger at this point is possessed and you can't kill it with guns. So Pedro goes running after uh, Leo. Hey, don't kill it with a gun. Don't kill it with a gun. Don't use the gun. Don't use the gun. Uh, Cops get involved. The whole neighborhood comes out wondering what the hell's going on. Leo, luckily, chases down the dog. And, uh, stupid fuck kills it with a gun. I, we just told you not to do that, Leo. We, come on, man. Um, Sabrina, or, uh, Vicky, the little girl, however, is not there to be seen. So now we cut back to the house 
where Sabrina is still having a panic attack in the driveway, Sabrina come or not Sabrina, uh, Vicky comes walking up like nothing happened. Ha <laughs> ha! Hi, mommy. I'm fine. Sabrina's like, oh my god, my little girl, yay! Oh my god, all the neighbors are there, and she's like, go tell Leo that she's fine. She's fine. Uh, Pedro saw Leo kill the dog with a shotgun, so he's like, oh fuck. So Pedro, thinking ahead, runs back into into the house, uh, grabs Jair the uh, disabled son, and his uh, younger son, Santino, and steals uh, the wife's car out of the garage. Uh, loads them up. They go hauling ass. Right before they leave, though, uh, the little girl, Vicky, like, looks up at her mom and says, ha ha, daddy's going to come back and kill you. And she's like, what? He's, he's like, ha ha, yeah, he's going to come in a car to this driveway and boom. And then uh, Vicky takes like two steps back, and sure as shit, here comes Leo at full speed through the driveway, and blammo, runs Sabrina the hell over, and his airbags are deployed. And we have to assume at this point that Leo is also possessed, because why would he do that? Why would you do that? Don't do that. That's a bad idea. Uh, Anyway, good news, uh, Pedro. and the two boys, uh, Jair and Santino, made it out. Excellent. Uh, they go back. They pick up Jamie or Jaime. I keep wanting to call him Jamie because the whole movie's in subtitles. Pick up Jaime, and they're like, "Okay, dude, we got to get the fuck out of here." They also pick up their mo- uh, the brother's mom, the kid's grandparents. Grab her out of the old folks' home before they split. Uh, go back to the house, and they're like, "Well, we can't stay here. Uh, let's go." Jamie or Jaime is like, "My my." Uh, ex-girlfriend lives way out in the country and there's nothing over there so i think maybe we can go shack up with her for a night or two what do you think of that oh yeah great idea uh so they do that they grab the kids and this is where we kind of get a little bit of the backstory about what the fuck is going on here um it, it it spreads fast and apparently like the more civilized nations have already fallen to this possession and it's basically just become the purge over there like people are just batshit crazy eating each other um those that aren't possessed are like in hiding underground and stuff like that it's pretty gnarly um they go and they uh get to uh mitra's house mitra is jaime's ex-girlfriend she is considerably older than him also she's like a senior citizen uh out in the country And uh, they're like, okay, what uh, what are we going to do now? Let's just hold up here. Uh, we'll give it a couple of nights. Uh, they, they're thinking about going to like one of the bigger cities. I don't see the logic in that at all. You would think the infection would be more rampant, but they made some allusions as to like um, the, the police officers in the cities are equipped to deal with the infection, so it might be a little bit safer there. Um, Things like that. I think they're just desperate and they're throwing shit at the fan and seeing what sticks. Anyway, they decide to hold up at Mitra's uh, for at least a couple of days till maybe some shit just blows over or something. Good idea. Uh, that night comes around. <clears throat> and wouldn't you fucking know, who, sh- who else should show up at Mitra's but Sabrina, the, the, the mom that just got fucking ran through by the truck. She's there. She's all jacked up, dude. She's got like half her face off. She's still wearing that nightgown. Um, she shows up. She just like appears in uh, Santino's bedroom. And the mom hears like the rustling around up there. So she calls the brother. She's like, oh, 
dude, something's happening in Santino's bedroom. I'm scared. I ain't going up there. You go check it out. So they run up there, and of course, it's Sabrina, and she's got Santino. And uh, Santino's like, oh, mommy's here. Yay. And then Sabrina just grabs Santino and jumps out of the window. Oh, fucking shit. Now we have a problem. Um, While that's going on, uh, everybody's freaking out. So Pedro's like, God, that fucking bitch. We got to go. She went, she started walking back towards the little village town there. So they're like, we got to fucking find her and get my kid back. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we do. Uh, Mitra apparently was at one point a, one of the cleaners, I guess, that one of the people that was qualified to hunt and kill the possessed and do so in a sanitary way. Uh, that's good news. So she's got her own contraption for hunting and killing uh i don't know what this fucking thing is dude we get to see one here in a few minutes but it looks like a sailing sextant but it's got like this weird javelin dart thing and it's very ornate and steampunky looking and it comes in like eight different pieces you got to build it every time you use it and you i don't know how they figured all this shit out but it's like the only safe way to effectively kill one of the possessed is use one of these fucking things. So that's, it's not exactly tactical. You know, it's not like a, uh, like a Glock. And it's not nearly as, uh, you know, I don't know, concealable. So there's that. But uh, Mitra gets the idea. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Mitra lays it all down. Uh, children, it's, it's, if we can, the, the source of the infection, where is it? And what do you guys know? Who was the first infected? So now, Jamie, or Jaime, sorry, and uh, Pedro start coming clean. Okay, Uriel had it. Uh, His family tried to get one of the cleaners out, but it took them like a year, and they never showed up. And then we finally found a dead one in the woods. Um, We thought we were being smooth, so we drove it out like uh, 300 miles, and then it fell out of the truck. So so she's like, okay, so that's probably the source of the infection. We need to find Uriel and kill his ass. Okay, any idea where he could be? Yeah, well, no. Um, so then she starts, uh, talking about how the infection loves children for some reason and children love the infected. So we're looking at like schools, things like that. Uh, so finally they decide that they're going to go back to the little town. Uh, they're going to try to find, uh, Sabrina and Santino and get Santino back before Sabrina does something fucking crazy, which by the way, holy shit. We'll get to that in a second. And if you know, if you've seen this movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, <clears throat> and also, maybe we can stem the infection by finally killing uh, Uriel the way we should have in the beginning. So we split up. We split up. And uh, before we leave, though, we realize that Jair has also become infected. And the way, reason we know this is because of his disability, demons get inside his head and they can't like make any of his motor functions work. So his hands just start contorting real bad, which is like the demon trying to gain functionality, I guess. Mitra explains the whole thing. It makes sense when she says it. I'm just talking out of my ass. Uh, anyway, Jair, Jair's got it, but he's basically uh, harmless because of his disability, and he is also infected. Something else to think about. So every uh, Pedro and Mitra hop in a truck, and they take off. They're looking for Uriel. Uh, Jaime uh, hops in the little gray car, uh, Sabrina's car, and he takes off. He's trying to find Sabrina and Santino. So uh, very cool. 
they go and they're driving around, and we're we're going to stay with uh, Pedro and Mitra for a little while. They go to the school, thinking that's where, uh, because infection likes kids and kids like infected, that might be a good place to start. Uh, Jaime is just kind of like patrolling the streets, trying to figure out where the hell Sabrina went. Uh, all the power in the the little village has been cut, so it's just pitch black all all like throughout. We have to assume, I think at this point, that the entire village is infected. So, uh, he's driving around. He's creeping real slow. Pretty soon, he sees somebody walking on the side of the road. Lucky him, it happens to be Sabrina. Goddamn, if she isn't carrying the dead body, the dead body of Santino. He's dead now, by the way, uh, under her arm. And let me explain to you what has occurred here. Uh, basically, she has turned Santino into what I can only describe as a human popcorn bucket. By that I mean, uh, she's carrying him, like, under her arm, his feet are, like, dangling, uh, under her arm, and she has taken the top of his skull off, he's, he's dead, he's dead as shit, and she is eating whatever is inside of his skull by the handful. And literally walking around as if he were a human popcorn bucket and she is eating the brains out of his head. That is where we are. Okay? That is what I am talking about, inmates. That is a child. (laughs) Uh, And it has uh, clearly been brutalized and in gruesome fashion. And now uh, the child's mother is eating the brains out out of the kid's head as if it were a jar of peanuts. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Go there. Go there with animals. Go there with kids. Shock and awe me. Disturb me. Make me think about this movie long after it's over. Don't fuck in the woods. Can't tell you a goddamn thing about it other than I'm sure it involves sex in the woods and some psycho. Um, Bad CGI crocodile. I haven't seen it. Not planning on it. That's that's what I'm talking about, bros. Make a horror movie. Don't make a movie for horror fans. Okay, rant over. Uh, yeah, so anyway, Jaime's like, oh, fuck me, look at this. He does the right thing, and he uh, he turns the car around, punches it up to 60, and plows right through Sabrina and Santino. Uh, you would think that would kill them. But it it doesn't, though, because Sabrina, like, goes crashing through the windshield. Uh, she's all fucked up. She's still got half her face off from the first time she got ran over. And she's like, you once told me you loved me. And he's like, ah! <laughs> so that's pretty gnarly. Now we're going to catch up with uh, Pedro and Mitra. They're there at the school. Um, they're walking around looking for anything out of the ordinary all the kids, it's like 12 o'clock at night, all the kids are there at the school, quietly sitting at their desks, staring at chalkboards. That is something. That is something you won't find in the United United States during school hours. Um, they're like, oh, this is creepy as fuck. All these kids are clearly possessed. And by the way, while they're there, more kids are pouring into the school and, you know, getting in their desks and sitting, staring at the chalkboards in pitch black in the middle of the night, not saying a word. Creepy as shit. 
they get to the uh, gymnasium and um, they're like, okay, fuck. Uh, I don't know. Uh, or I, I don't, it wasn't really a gymnasium. It was more like an assembly hall, I think. Uh, what's his name? Pedro gets up on the stage and he notices a couple of the boards are loose and there's a hammer laying on the ground. So he's like, what the hell? He pulls a couple of the boards back. Fuck me. If they had the kids haven't killed all the teachers, put them under the stage and poured lime on them to cover up the smell. So there's a bunch of dead bodies down there. Is what I'm telling you. Uh, Mitra is like, yeah, that's uh, that's one of the tactics of the possessed. Good chance that Uriel is buried down there underneath all these dead teachers. So uh, Pedro jumps down there and he starts pulling out the dead teachers. As he's doing that, the kids are quietly pouring into the auditorium and surrounding them. Uh, he pulls off like five or six dead teachers. Sure as shit, there's Uriel, big fat fuck that he is, uh, down there. Kill me! He still looks like he's still having an allergy attack. Um, he hops up. He's like, okay, found him. Uh, give me a, a bat or a chair or a big sharp stick or something and I'll kill this motherfucker and we can be done with it. And Mitra is like, no, 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 can't do it that way. Just go. And now they realize that they're quietly being surrounded by all these kids. Like, ah, 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 no, no. Go to the car. Be very calm and quiet. Don't touch anybody or anything. Get my weirdo uh, sextant uh, apparatus. Bring it in here and I will dispose of this guy properly. So Pedro's like, oh, fuck. Okay. All right. So he very calmly and not running or in any kind of a hurry, goes out to the truck, gets Mitra's tool bag or whatever the fuck it is, brings it back in, uh, starts trying to lift uh, Uriel up, because apparently what this thing does, this contraption that she has to build, it's I, I think it's some kind of a harpoon gun or something like that, but she has to hit him in the neck with it. So... She's telling Pedro, you got to hoist him up so that I can get at his neck. It's got to go right in the fucking neck. But Uriel is still like underneath the goddamn stage. So she's like, ah, come on, you got to go. We got to make this happen. Um, one of the kids is like, dude, there's an axe in the office over there. Just go get it and you can do him with that. Mitra's like, don't listen to the fucking kids. They're all possessed. They're going to, they're trying to steer you away. They're trying to protect Uriel. So, uh, he's going, their kid's going, no, 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 it's, the axe is right there in that office, you just gotta go get it. I can't re, I'd go get it for you, but I can't reach it, it's up on the shelf thing. Uh, Mitra's going, don't listen, don't listen, don't listen. Pedro cracks. He's like, I will kill this motherfucker right now, let me just go get that axe. So, he goes running into the office to grab the axe, and that's when the kids lock him in there and like barricade the door, and then they all attack Mitra with hammers. This is also pretty gnarly, because you get to see every fucking thud of that hammer on Mitra's 65-year-old skull, and fuck, that is kind of fucked up. Uh, In the time it takes Pedro to get free of the office, she's already dead, and they've dragged her body off down the hall. Uh, The sextant thing is not set up and Pedro doesn't know how to use it so he just kind of pulls the one of the heavier pieces off of it and then just bashes the fuck out of Uriel killing him now I don't know how this whole possession pandemic thing works but apparently what that means is that 
uh, Uriel can now hatch a kid or something. I don't fucking know. Uh, Pedro's all bent. He doesn't even know about his son yet, so there's that. By the way, now we cut back to the ranch house where Jair and the grandmother are, and Jair just kind of pops up. He's like, hey, Grandma, it's cold. Uh, I think I'm going to take this blanket and go upstairs. Now, that's scary as fuck. Why? Because Jair, Jair, whatever, I don't know how you pronounce that, is uh, disabled, and he should not be talking, and he should not be up walking around, so the only thing we can surmise there, and that I think Grandma would agree, is that the demon somehow figured out how to get Jair up and running, like with his motor functions and, and speech and everything, and we now have a problem. We have a big problem, because Jair is now full-on possessed and capable. Uh, that's pretty gnarly. Uh, from there, we cut back to the auditorium. Um, I guess a naked, bloody kid just pops out of Big Fat Uriel, and all the kids kind of like, they, they kind of hail him like, oh, hey, all right. And then they all, all the kids, including the naked, bloody one, just kind of go walking off into the woods. But they give like a three-finger swipe to Pedro on his forehead. So he's got like like four, three or four bloody like tally marks on his forehead before they leave. And then that's that. They go walking off into the woods. Pedro's like, oh no, oh no. Uh, he gets back in the car and meets Jaime back at Mitra's house. And they're like, oh fuck. Now from there, it kind of cuts to silent mode. But um, we kind of have to assume that grandma is not there jair is they, i think they kind of jumped to some conclusions as to what happened to grandma uh but they don't know the full extent of jair just yet uh cut to a couple days later they're back at at their usual house and everything seems to be chill when um the kid uriel's younger brother shows up again and he's like hey dudes uh yeah <laughs> so uh uh i'm the one that killed the original cleaner that came to kill uriel and i tore him in half and uh i don't know i also killed my whole family and ate them and i uh i don't think i'm possessed i just have this had an urge to do that so naturally they kill that kid and then uh after that, Jair is eating some ice cream or trying to eat ice cream, and he coughs up the grandma's necklace, as if to say Jair ate grandma, and that's pretty fucked up, so gross. And then the last shot of the movie is Pedro screaming in the front yard, and that, my friends, is when evil lurks from 2023. This is a bad motherfucker right here, bros. I'm going to rec I'm giving this the strongest possible recommendation. If you haven't seen it, also watch the previous film Terrified. I don't believe that they tie together at all. I could be wrong. There could be some subtext thing that I missed. Excuse me, I don't know for sure. This is a hell of a movie though, and so is Terrified. I think this one's a little bit better than Terrified, if I'm being totally honest with you. He, this uh, direct D, uh, Demian Rujna, this motherfucker does not pull any punches. Kids, animals, everything's fair game. He is looking to give you bad dreams, and he will probably succeed. Check it out, inmates. It's streaming on Shutter right now if I've piqued your curiosity. I'm going to take myself a little break, come back with some other stuff for you.
like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I'm back, inmates. Yes, sir. Well, 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 well. Um, that is a hell of a ride. <clears throat> and I hope you guys can find the time to check it out, because I don't think you will be disappointed. Uh, what do we got here? I think it's time for a meat hook, ladies and gentlemen. Three on a meat hook. This week's meat hook. We did directors last week. <clears throat> this week we're talking about actors. Now, let me um, talk wax poetic for a moment, if I could, about horror actors and um, names that we find relevant. I think we can safely say that we have established a horror royalty class. You know what I mean? And it doesn't necessarily mean that they are the best actors, 
But there is a certain list of names that keep showing up in all of our favorite movies. I can rattle a few off for you. In fact, I intend to by uh, bringing up my top three horror actors. Now, there's a lot of... I'm not judging this based on performance, okay? And I think we can all agree that horror actors or horror royalty, for lack of a better term, doesn't necessarily breed the best of the thespians, <laughs> for lack, lack of a better term. But there are people that show up and do their damnedest, and God bless them, and that's just, they're, they're ours now. We accept them as our own. My number three for horror actors, a newer name on the scene, a guy by the name of A.J. Bowen. Been in a hell of a lot of good horror movies. Uh, one of my favorite, I mean, God, there's so many. Um, You're Next, you'll know him from there. Uh, a movie that I don't talk about as much as I should, but a movie called A Terrible Way to Die, which I think was one of Adam Wingard's first. Great show. Uh, Rites of Spring, also pretty good movie. Um, I think he's been in like five or six different VHS installments. Guys all over the place. Prolific uh, body of work, also. I know you've seen him. If I showed you a picture of him, you'd probably be like, oh yeah, that guy. I love that guy. As you should. He does great work. Um, I think we can kind of like, he's part of the, part of that kind of offshoot of the splat pack. Uh, you got guys like him, Joe Swanberg, um, who else? Sharni Vincent, um, uh, there's like a Ty West does the little acting here and there. He pops up in there. They're like this little clique of dudes and chicks, and they just kind of make their own movies and revolve in and out of each other's movies. And they usually end up doing pretty good work. And he's kind of uh, one of the more one of the more recognizable faces of that. Uh, my number two, uh, not as well known, but had a huge part in my sexual awakening as a young man. Not the best actress. But I found her to be terribly sexy. A young lady by the name of Dawn Wildsmith. Well, I wouldn't call her a scream queen. She's only been in a handful of horror movies. But uh, there is a scene in a movie called Surf Nazis Must Die. I don't know if it was unsimulated sex, but you could not convince me otherwise. Especially when I was uh, 12 or 13, the first time I saw it. Tell you that, my friends, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to blow you up with how uh, how bad of a movie that is, or how it's a trauma. It's a, it's a vintage trauma before they decided decided to stop uh, making real movies and just started spitting out Gonzo crap. Dawn Wildsmith, you'll recognize her from Surf Nazis Must Die, obviously. Um, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Um, there's another movie about a space prison, I think it's called Intergalactic or something like that. She plays a tough, uh, lady in all of these, like a gang leader or a, uh, prison guard or something like that, which I find to be incredibly hot, by the way. And, uh, yeah, that scene in Surf Nazis Must Die, dude. If I still had my original VHS tape of it, that scene would get very weird, like with the tracking, because I just rewind it and watch it again. <laughs> uh, you understand what I'm telling you. Don't act like you don't. My number one. I am sorry, inmates, but I could not pick just one. So I had to pick two, 
And oddly enough, they both have the exact same initials, which is kind of fun, right? I'm going with a boy-girl tandem of Bruce Campbell and Barbara Crampton. They're both actually pretty good actors and actresses, act whatever you want to call them. Uh, and they have prolific bodies of work. Uh, Barbara has kind of come into a renaissance of late. She's showing, showing up in a lot of independent horror films. Still looks good, man. And so does Bruce Campbell, for that matter. He's put on a few pounds, but uh, he's had a number of TV shows. He's had a, a hell of a career. He's, he's writing books now. Uh, Barbara Crampton took like a 15-year hiatus and came back, and now she's she's back. she's kind of making her way through the Splat-Pat movies also, which is pretty cool. Let me tell you this, inmates. I'm going to be honest with you. Think about some of our Scream Queens from yesteryear. Heather Langenkamp. Uh, what's her name there? Um, fucking old uh, buzz cut herself. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, who else you got there? Um, Michelle Bauer, Brink Stevens. Those chicks today look their age. You know what I'm saying? But I'll tell you this. I, I'm not. I, I'm. I would still have sex with any of them because they are who they are. But if I saw. Um, if I didn't know who Barbara Crampton was and I just happened upon her, uh, and she had a couple of, uh, Chardonnays in her at a, at a hotel bar and she started coming on to me and I was single, I would still, I would do it, man. I would do it. She looks that good today. All right. If I ran into a Heather Langenkamp lookalike, no, 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 sir. No can do. Uh, that's my top three. They're technically four. I'm going Bruce Campbell. Barbara, uh, Barbara Crampton tandem. Then I'm going Don Wildsmith and A.J. Bowen. Get me your top three horror actors um, by next week if you can. Mental health hotline, area code 775-387-0275 or mail at paddedroompodcast.com. I want to know. I want to know who your top three uh, favorite horror actors are. And I feel like, you know, there's there's like a class of prolific actors that are now like you take like a Lance Henriksen, right? He was great from uh what 80 to like 96, I'd say. Now he just shows up, puts his name on a poster, shows up in every random found footage bullshit and uh I feel like that's hurting his career. Same thing with Robert England, same thing with Tony Todd. I get it. They got bills to pay, and you know you want to keep act. You want to keep acting. You want to keep working. But it. Just, I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like that's kind of Bruce Campbell even does that to a certain extent. He stopped recently, which is good. Uh, anyway, let me know um, while you're contemplating that. I think it's time for the Terra Dome. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering.
Welcome to the Terradome. First, last week's winner. In singles competition, we had Frankenhooker versus uh, Lilith from Bordello of Blood. The two ladies fought through the night, neither relenting or giving an inch of ground to the other. The vampire clawed and gnashed at the dead woman, but the prostitute was well beyond pain or physical damage. The battle finally concluded with Dawn's first light and Lilith burning away to ash. With a vote of 6-0, to zero, Frankenhooker advances over uh, Lilith from Bordello of Blood. I didn't think it would go... I didn't think it would be a blowout, man. I thought somebody would vote for Lilith. I probably should have, but I didn't. Um, yeah, there you have it. Frankenhooker coming back for another round. Let's take a look at this week's matchup, shall we, inmates? We are in the Asylum, no, Inferno Conference, round 13. As usual, inmates, bear with me. I'm not much of a writer. The witching season in Wisconsin is different from other places. Usually, the first snowfall has already hit, and the activities of fall are all forced inside due to plummeting temperatures. Hellfest this year was no different. What should have been a massive outdoor celebration of all things spooky was now relegated to whatever could fit inside the university's football stadium. History, however, has little care for weather or convenience. It is raw, factual, brutal, and unforgiving. So was the spirit of the samurai in which the stolen armor rightfully belonged, the spirit that possessed the teenage daughter of the current owner and began a bloodbath at the Hellfest celebration. Within its haunted attractions, more violence was taking place. One of the scare actors was taking his job a little too serious and begins killing the attendees. In singles competition, we have the samurai from Bloodbeat versus the other from Hellfest. Um, it's been a while since I've seen Bloodbeat, but as I recall, there's really nothing that I remember that says that the possessed individual that is host to the samurai cannot be killed by conventional means. So if the battle is taking place at Hellfest, which I think it kind of has to, you would have to assume that a um, samurai warrior from feudal, feudal Japan would be wildly confused and probably not know how to deal with the animal animatronics and the jump scares and shit like that. So for that, I have to give the edge to the other, I assume, right? Um, the samurai can be killed by normal means, as far as I recall, and uh, it's going to be all fucked up once it gets inside Hellfest. So I'm taking the other for that reason. Get me your votes by next week, inmates. Uh, Mental Health Hotline, again, area code 775-387-0275 or mail at paddedroompodcast.com. While you're contemplating who could possibly win that fight or how it would make a lick of sense to you, I'm going to tell you what movies I got to watch this week in a little segment called What Are You Looking At? What are you looking at? Uh, how about Underworld, Rise of the Lycans? Me and uh, Deacon covered it on, on our Underworld show over at Patreon. I think it holds up. Just to, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't listened to that episode yet, but I think it holds up. And uh, I think it's, in my opinion, probably the strongest of the under, Underworld franchise. Um, great show, dude. Vampires fighting werewolves. 
in medieval times with swords and crossbows and shit. Who doesn't want to see that? I do. And it's got Rona Mitra in it. And that's uh, pretty pretty hot stuff right there. You don't really get to see her full on naked, but you get to see enough. You know what I'm saying? There's like enough to make you want to come back for more. <laughs> I had to watch this with my nine-year-old son and explain to him how vampires and werewolves can do smoochy-poochy. It's a whole ass thing. Listen, let's go over to Patreon. Uh, it's in the $1 tier if you're interested. Uh, dropping another episode next week. Watch that. Also watch Unsheltered from 2022. This movie is poo-poo. Uh, some douchebag kids have to take shelter during a tropical hor- hurricane. I almost said hurricane. Hurricane, so they go to a junkyard, and they end up getting picked off one by one by a big buff guy in a Bane mask. Um, I think what they wanted to do was somehow make us fall in love with the kids by putting in a bunch of uh, 20-something party drama. But it just made me not give a shit at all and kind of tune the whole movie out. So I'm going to recommend you stay away from that. Also watch Teardrop from 2022. This is a 2B original. Um, Some kind of a high school class field trip to an old ghost town. Except that the entire high school class consists of three kids. Maybe it's a special ed class or something. And... um, yeah, ghosts and uh, Old West witchery uh, takes place. Very tame, very uh, milk toast. Nothing all that exciting to talk about here. Um, I think they got the old set from uh, Big Fish, that Tim Burton movie, and just had to throw together a movie in a couple of days. So that's this is this is what they went with. Um, it's it's not bad, but it's just completely forgettable in every single way. I haven't seen too many of these Tubi originals. Have you guys? I hope there's a good one in there somewhere. I haven't seen it yet, but this one is uh, it's just very bland. I'll, I'll put it that way. Lastly, I watched I Am Not a Serial Killer from 2016. This one was pretty good, man. It's uh, streaming on Shudder if you're interested. Uh, Christopher Lloyd. God, he's got to be in his 90s now, right? And this was in 2016, almost 10 years ago. Uh, Very drab, small town. Um, People start turning up dead. We have reason to believe that Christopher Lloyd, as old as he is, is the serial killer. Uh, And then we find out he is doing the killing, but he is something completely different. And it is a little... It's... um, it is something. It's a good show. I'll tell you, it's a good show. I'd recommend this one. Um, not too gory, but uh, definitely keeps you wondering what the fuck is going on here. What exactly is going on? Um, that's all I'm looking at, inmates. Uh, how about a little immersion therapy then? Immersion therapy. Did you get a chance to check out Veronica, the prequel to Sister Death? Um, Deacon's not here, clearly. The house rule over here is that if you don't watch the movie, then you can't come on the show. He chose to 
play his uh, Oculus instead. So no no show for you, Junior. Um, it's probably better that way. I, I, I made it a point to let my kids pretty much watch whatever they want in the horror arena, barring anything that has any, like, pornographic... Um, you know, implications or any hardcore penetration or any really bad, like, uh, he, he, he watched a little bit of, um, when evil lurks tapped out once, uh, he saw the ax to the face scene. And I was okay with that. Um, but I would, I would have let him watch Veronica if he wanted to. Um, he, he's not quite reading at the level to which he can, uh, take in the subtitles though. So there's that also. It's a good show, good possession movie. Um, the it didn't live live up to the hype though. When it first came out, man, they were they were calling this the next Exorcist, and this is the most frightening movie ever, and all this horseshit. It's fine. It's a good show. I would say it's a good show. It's a good possession movie. It's dirty. It's funky. Um, there is a naked, bloody guy. That scene where her supposedly dead father shows up in the uh, shitty little apartment. That's pretty gnarly. That's a naked guy in your apartment, and he's all covered in blood. That's some scary stuff. Um, it's not It's not as good as everybody made it out to be, I don't think. It's not as good as The Exorcist. Um, but it's definitely uh, good. It's, it's not as good, but it's still good. I would say that. Um, I would say I probably like uh, Veronica better than Sister Death as a, as a horror movie. Uh, Sister Death is fine also if you want the prequel and you want to know about uh, that particular nun and what the fuck happened to her eyeballs. Uh, there's that. Um, other than that, yeah, uh, maybe watch them back to back. See how that treats you. In the meantime, your immersion therapy for this week is going to be Barric- <coughs> Excuse me, Barricade from 2012. This one stars Eric McCormick and Jody... Uh, Thompson is directed by Andrew Curry. Something about a uh, guy taking his kids up to a cabin in the woods in the fucking snow and all the hell breaks loose. This is one of those WWE movies. Um, as far as horror goes, they, they did all right. They did the uh, Cena or Hear No Evil, See No Evil, the fucking Sasuke with the cane. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, check that shit out, inmates. I will do the same, and we can compare notes next week. But now, you have to educate me. Educating Miss Monica. First, my clues from last week. Well, my goddamn husband went out on the lake and killed himself, and uh, now I got a bunch of weird shit happening in my house. Um, scary, of course, ghosty stuff, but more to the point, uh, he, he's it's kind of pointing me towards other things that my husband was into that I was not aware of before he died. And, uh, son of a bitch, if I don't go and find a bunch of dead girls, uh, at a abandoned house down the other side of the lake, I am of course the night house. I don't know if you guys have seen this one, but it's actually a pretty fucking good movie. Uh, pretty good ghost movie. A lot of, uh, 
tension with this poor young lady and her being left alone in the house um, and having to find all this stuff out that she was completely oblivious to in life as the ghost situation is ramp, the poltergeist stuff is ramping up. And uh, it's it's pretty gnarly. It gets into weird demonic stuff. Who might I be this week, you ask? Well, uh, friends, I think my fucking dad is gay. <laughs> that doesn't. That's not necessarily a bad thing, except it kind of is because now uh, he left my mom to be with some dude, and I'm not mad about the gay part, I'm mad about him leaving my mom, and now I have to live in a shitty apartment and go to a shitty school because mom doesn't have a lot of money, um, and I'm getting bullied, and that's a fucking thing, and I'm awkward already, and that's a fucking thing, and somebody just moved in next door, and uh, I think uh, I think uh, that's, a, that's a, a young lady my age, and I might be... Uh, interested in pursuing some kind of friendship or maybe more with her uh her dad's kind of a quiet guy i don't see a lot of him and i only see her at night which is also weird and uh i'm gonna invite her over because if i don't invite her over then she will come in anyway and immediately start bleeding from all orifices and other places on her body it's really a disgusting thing and i did accidentally see her naked once and there is something there. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but there is something there, and I—it's a thing. I'm not. I don't. I don't know. I don't, don't want to get into it. I'm scared to ask. Be honest with you. Who might I be next? Who might I be? You ask. Tune in next week, and I'll drop some knowledge on you, inmates. In the meantime, I think that's about going to do it for me this week. Thank you guys very much for uh, joining me and bearing with me during these solo shows. I know you don't. I know you don't tune in to listen to me. All right. I know that. Um, I don't know if it's Deacon or Jason Harrell or Buddy or whoever it is, but I will try. I'll get a fucking potted plant in here and talk to that damn thing if you want me to. Anyway, join me next week for The Night Eats the World here in random December. Um, Like, comment, subscribe. Wherever you found this show, that helps visibility quite a bit. We do have a Patreon campaign running. One dollar a month will get you access to The Underworld Show as well as some other prize swag. Um, just go, just go to paddedroompodcast.com. The link is there. Anything you need to know about us, the Terra Dome, the Meat Hook, whatever the hell we're doing this week or next week or the week before, plus the entire archive of all of my old shows. 12 fucking years, 600 and now six episodes. It's all right there for you, baby. Right there. Paddedroompodcast.com. Go there. Fucking go crazy. Check out the whole scene. You're going to love that shit. But in the meantime, for Jason in absentia, Buddy in absentia, Deacon out there probably still playing the Oculus and not watching Veronica, um, cold New Year's days where you're up in a cabin with your annoying kids, um, possessed nuns, or possessed kids really, and the nuns that have to deal with them, uh, demonic pandemics, which is a whole new set of shit, man. It's going to make COVID-19 look like a, a walk in the park. And the Padded Room Podcast. I'm afraid visiting hours are over.